Let's go ahead, grab our tablets, whatever it is you're gonna follow along on. There will always be the projections behind me for those of you who are going to be, uh, who are going to be looking for those kinds of things. We are in week four of a five-week series. We're gonna do one more Sunday. We're gonna be, we're doing a five-week series on life after death. Uh, and I wanna let you know that today I'm speaking on heaven. Two weeks ago, I spoke on hell, and it was really, really tough on me. It was a really tough message to bring, and uh, it was tough for me to be engaged into it in any way, shape, or form. Uh, But today, we're talking about heaven, and uh, we're going to talk about heaven today. We're going to talk about heaven next week as well. We've got quite a bit to talk about, but this series is all about eternity. It's about heaven or hell. And talking about life and death can be scary, can be uncomfortable, could be overwhelming uh, to some people, but one of my responsibilities as your pastor is that I am to make sure that you are prepared for all of eternity. And it would be so wrong of me if I never talked about eternity, if we never talked about heaven or even hell, if we've never done that, and all I had you do was to focus on this life and not prepare you for eternity. We have a, we have a go-to scripture, a theme verse of this series, and it's Ecclesiastes chapter three, verse 11. And it says these words, it says that he has made everything beautiful in its time. And he has also set eternity in the human heart, yet no one can fathom what God has done from beginning to end. In other words, what the uh, scriptures are declaring to us today is that God has hardwired every single one of us, every human being on the planet, whether you are a believer or an atheist, whoever, whatever you may be, God has hardwired every one of us with eternity, eternity in our hearts. In other words, what we really believe is, is that we know, we know on the inside, there's more to this life than just this life that we're living. We've done three weeks on them, we're doing four right now, but week one, our takeaway with week one is what we believe about eternity determines on how we live our lives today. Week number two, the takeaway of that was God didn't, uh, God doesn't send anybody to hell. No, God doesn't do that with anybody, but people by their own free will are going to choose whether they want to reject God and then they send themselves to hell. In other words, you're the one that makes that decision. If you don't want to believe in God, there's going to be consequences. If you want to believe in God, there's going to be wonderful consequences. Challenge you with that. Number three, week number three was hell exists. Hell exists. We spoke about this, the takeaway. Hell exists for God to deal righteous. Uh, to deal righteously um, with the devil, and hell also exists for God to deal righteously with unbelievers. Unbelievers. Those who have no regard for God or, or would rather follow only the ways of the world and nothing of God. There's, there's going to be a, a price for that, and the scriptures are clear. We've talked about it before, and if you would like to get a little more information, go ahead and dig that up in past uh, messages that we have done. Today, we're going to be talking about heaven, and I'm pretty excited about that. I'm pretty excited. By the way, my wife, Marianne, is not going to be sharing a special time as she has been with this series. She's been, she's been dealing with those who have had uh, near-death experiences and uh, throughout the series but today she's not, because what I'm doing today is that I want to answer 50, uh, 50. I want to answer 10 questions, not 50, I want to answer 10 questions about heaven that we may have, and so we're going we're gonna to be digging into that today. And most, uh, most people really don't even have a clue about heaven. 
They don't even have a clue about what heaven will really be like. And what I'm doing today is that, again, I'm pulling from some of my regular contacts, my regular resources to help me with some of the things that I'm dealing with with this series in particular, Church of the Highlands, Gateway Church with Robert Morris, as well as Life Church. They're, they're feeding me right now some of these things that I'm going to be sharing with you. So I want to answer 10 questions about heaven. Go with me to the book of Revelation, chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. I want to forewarn you on this verse. I'm going to refer to this verse over and over and over again in this message today. Because where we're getting a lot of information about heaven, what we can expect by answering these questions, is found in this. So you'll hear me say it over and over again. We're not going to read it every time, but I'm going to refer to that. So let's get to it. Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain. Uh, been slain for the word of God and for the testimony uh, which they held. And they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then a white robe was given, listen to that, then a white robe was given to each of them. And it was said to them that they should rest a little while longer until both the number of their fellow servants and their brethren who would be killed as they were was completed. So yes, we're talking about those who are martyred. This fifth seal is dealing with those who were martyred. And again, I'm gonna to refer to these verses a number of times in this message today. So, uh, question number one. 10 questions, question number one. Will we have bodies in heaven? Will we have bodies in heaven? And of course, the short answer of all of that is yes. <clears throat> I would assume we would all figure that it would be that way. Yes, we do have, we will have sh uh, bodies in heaven. But thanks to Hollywood, thanks to Hollywood and a lot of misconceptions that they give out, as well as things that we just don't know, we make things up and we come up with things about it. A lot of people think that in heaven, what you're going to look like is that you're going to be floating around aimlessly. You're going to be playing a har harp and eating some grapes throughout all of eternity. That's not heaven, that's hell as far as I'm concerned. And so, um, so we, we have a lot of misconceptions. Even at times they have said, uh, our bodies, we, who we will be in heaven is gonna be nothing but a wisp, nothing but, nothing but uh, 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 air or smoke, crazy things like that. So the question is, will we have bodies in heaven? Well, let me ask you a question according to what I just read in Revelation chapter six, verses nine through 11. Then. It, why does God say that he will give us robes, he will give us robes if we're not going to have a body in heaven? Why would God say that? Well, God's saying that because it's a reality. We will have bodies in heaven. And to give some of you a real peace of mind about the robes, about the robes, the gowns, is that I'm pretty sure that the robes that we're going to be given up in heaven are not going to be anything like the rated X hospital gowns that we wear that has a big crack in the back. It's not going to be like that in heaven. So don't worry about that. Go with me to 1 Corinthians chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and it says these words. Listen to this. This is great. This is talking about will we have bodies in heaven. Adam was made from the dust of the, of the earth, but Christ came from heaven above. Every human being has a body just like Adam's made of dust. But all who uh, become Christ, be, belong to Christ, to become Christ will have the same body as his, a body that's from heaven. In other words, Adam had an earthly body and we have an earthly body. That's what these first two verses are saying, making the argument. If we belong to Christ, whether we belong to Christ or not, we have an earthly body. And then it says in verse 49 of that same chapter, it says, just as 
Just as each of us know, uh, just as each of us now has, has a body like Adam, so we will someday have a body like Christ. We will someday have a body like Christ. In other words, they're saying this, Jesus is our example for all of this. Jesus had an earthly body. He got hungry. Jesus got tired. His body suffered pain, and he ended up dying an actual real physical death. He died a real physical death, but Jesus was resurrected with a heavenly body. Come on, give me an amen. He was resurrected with a heavenly body, and that heavenly body walked on that earth. That heavenly body, it ate food, and it had meals with others. That heavenly body, so we, we will, we can plan on this. If we're going to have a heavenly body, which we will, according to the scriptures, if we have a heavenly body, we can be sure that we too are going to be eating meals in heaven, and the good news is you won't gain a pound up there eating all the food that you want to eat. To God be the glory. Now, that doesn't say that in the Bible at all. I'm just adding it because I think it's a good idea. <laughs> so anyhow, another thing about the heavenly body, the he- heavenly body of Jesus, just so you know, he was walking down a road with a couple of his disciples and all of a sudden he disappeared. He was gone. Also, that heavenly body, that heavenly body had a way of walking through walls, had a way of being able to walk through locked doors as well. And so it is a resurrection body is what he was living in. And our bodies and our spirit are going to reunite at the second coming of the Lord. That's another message that I want to bring. I'm going to be bringing that kind of series in the fall. But we find out that our bodies and our spirits will reunite at the coming of the Lord. Now, many people don't consider this, but Jesus says a number of things with his earthly body. He says, touch me. Go ahead and touch me. Touch my wounds. Touch my side. Go ahead, go ahead and touch me is what, what Jesus said to us. There's something of the physical body becoming a heavenly body that is just so intriguing. It is so uh, exciting to study. And I want to encourage you to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter, no, look at it now, but I, I want you to study this on your own. If you would read that entire chapter, it's going to talk to you about our, our bodies and what it's like. It talks about the celestial body as well as the terrestrial bodies that we have. And they're glory and the differences that are between them. We're going to be experiencing all of this and you and I should know what's going to be taking place. And the word of God makes it completely clear. You and I can know that. So if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, read the whole chapter, but if you were to get into especially the last part of it, verses 35 through 46, it will make a lot of sense to you. Something that Robert Moore said as I was going through some of his studies, one of the things that he said that I never knew, you may know this, a lot of you are way smarter than me, but I didn't know this until I read a little bit further as to what he was talking about. Many people do not realize how the body and the spirit reunites at the second coming of Jesus. And again, we're going to talk about that down the road a little bit. This fall, we're going to be dealing with with that. But our bodies are going to reunite um, with our spirit in the second coming of Jesus. So let me give you something that you may not know. The way that we actually bury people in America is on purpose because of something that is written in the scriptures, because of something that is in the Bible. In other words, if you want to know where the head of the person who's laying in the casket ahead of you, the the lid is closed, it's closed casket. If you want to know, and and we're we're talking about in the graveyard now, uh, if you want to know where his head is laying, the head is, is always facing west. Did you know that? The head is always facing west. We bury people in the USA from east to west. Did you know that? Does anybody hear me? 
It says here in Matthew chapter 24 from the scriptures, it says these words. This is the reason why. This is the reason why they do what they do. In, um, in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, it says these words. For as the lightning comes from the east and flashes to the west, so also will the coming of the Son of Man be. So in the USA, we bury people with an end in mind, purposely. Uh, we, we bury people so that when they would come out of the grave, they're going to be facing Jesus. They, they, they are facing Jesus. They, our, our, our bodies are, facing, uh, are coming toward us, and we're facing the West. We'll always be doing that. So I don't know about you, but I thought that that was pretty cool. I never knew that. And I've done many, many, many funerals in my years. I never understood that until just now. So I thought that was cool. I thought you'd like it. Go with me to question number two. Question number two is, will we go to heaven? Will we go to heaven immediately? Will we go to heaven Immediately, the Bible teaches that yes, we do. Immediately, we immediately when we die, we go to heaven. Going back to Revelation chapter six again, those verses. Uh, I want you to notice the martyr. The martyred had died, and uh, they are in heaven. In fact, they have died immediately, and they're in heaven, and they are talking to God in the presence of God. They're talking to God. And all of this is happening before the second coming of Christ. If you wanted to try to manipulate and say that this was at the second coming of Christ, it's not. Because the second coming of Christ isn't even talked about until Revelation chapter 19. So this is still in our day, in our time. It may be a, there may be all kinds of havoc taking place in our world, but this is, not, this is not at the second coming of Christ. So Jesus said to the thief on the cross next to him, he said to me, he said to him, today you shall be with me in paradise. Today. So when we die, yes, we immediately, we go to heaven. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 8. And it says these words. It says, yes, we are confident. Yes, we are well pleased to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. In other words, immediately, immediately when you are, when you are absent from the body, you are present with the Lord. So that means, that leads, means for Marianne and I that our son Jeremy, when he was being worked on to come back to life, uh, 40 years old, died of a massive heart attack, but when they were doing CPR and trying to bring him back to life, they did that for a long time, and he ended up dying on September 4th, 2016, and the time, the exact time that he died was at 3.59 a.m. is when they pronounced him dead. So I, as dad, Marianne, as mom, we can say that we know for sure, for sure, according to the scriptures and what we see throughout the word of God, that when our son died at 359 on September 4th, uh, 2016, that he went immediately to heaven. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And again, listen, that's good news. That's good news for us. That's, that makes us feel happy that we can be with him in heaven again some other time. God is good. Number three, question number three, will we be able to communicate in heaven? Will we be able to communicate in heaven? And again, Hollywood does their things, floating on clouds, you know, playing harps, all that silliness, what they talk about. But that's not even close. That's not even close. Again, going back to Revelation chapter six, dealing with the, the martyred, um, the martyred had talked with God and uh, they talked to God loudly, the, the Bible says. They talked to God loudly and uh, they cried out with a loud voice. So just so you know, heaven will never be like some of the church services we attended years back, way behind, you know? Those services that it was always something like this. Shh, shh, Johnny, no, no, shh, gotta be quiet. Just be quiet. It's not gonna be like that. 
It's not gonna be anything like that as far as I can see because I've got a feeling the way that our worship team led us today and the way they always lead us, to me it's incredible, it's wonderful what they do. And what they're doing is they're worshiping the God that they can't physically see with their eyes but there's going to be a day and there's going to be a time that we're gonna see him as he really is and we're gonna begin to sing songs to our Savior, to our Redeemer in ways that we never have before. Why? Because we see him for who he really is and he is more beautiful and more magnificent than we could ever imagine. In fact, there's some scriptures that declare something of that. It says in Psalm 95, verse uh, one and two, and it says, oh come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before his presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to him with psalms. Psalm 98, verse four says, shout joyfully to the Lord. All the earth, break forth in song, rejoice and sing praises. And the last one, I want you to do what we're praying, what we're declaring here in these scriptures at the end of this. It says this, Psalm 47, verse one, oh clap your hands, all you people, and shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Come on, he alone is worthy. You are the living God. And we praise you, Lord. We praise you, Lord. Number four, question number four, will we have emotions? <laughs> the women will, for sure. I know that. Will we have emotions? Revelation chapter uh, six, verse 10, and it says these words, and they cried out with a loud voice saying, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. How long? I want you to notice that they cared deeply about what was going on on, on earth. Uh, they cared a lot. Their emotions were all into that. And remember, remember, we are created in the image of God ourselves. Your emotions are part of your soul. And your soul is what's going to heaven. When you die, your body's not going to heaven. When you die, your soul is going to heaven. You're going to have a mind in heaven. You're going to have a will in heaven. You're even going to have emotions in heaven. So the question may be from some of you, so if my soul is going to heaven, then can I choose to serve God then, after I get there? No, you can't. You can't do that. There, it, it, you made a choice. You and I have only one lifetime that we are able to make that eternal choice that we would be with God forever. You have to do it in this life. You have to talk to God in this life and say, you, you become my Lord, you become my Savior. It's you that I'm putting my faith in. Not in a church, not in a person, not in my money, not in my talents and things that I, no, I'm putting it in you, Lord God. It's the only time that we can do that. You and I have uh, only one lifetime that we can make that eternal choice. And it's appointed unto men to die once and after that comes the judgment. So please understand, please understand, there is no second chance after this life but we will have emotions in heaven. There will be emotions, emotions in heaven. As a matter of fact, most of us know this particular verse. I'm not gonna quote it exactly as it says, but talking about emotions, there is joy in heaven when one sinner repents. According to the Bible, there is joy in heaven. There is joy in all of heaven when one sinner repents. In other words, there's, there's emotions that are taking place. That, that joy will be beyond anything that you and I could ever imagine imagine that would take place and whatever you've ever experienced in this life, that joy will be unspeakable and it will be unimaginable joy that we're going to be having when we're there. It's beyond what we understand. It's beyond anything that we can, can fathom. The joy that we experience on this, on this planet doesn't even begin to compare to the joy and to the peace, to the, uh, the presence of God that we will experience in heaven together. It's a good, good thing. We will have that. 
Number five, question number five is, will we know everything? Will we know everything? How many think we will? Would you raise your hand? How many think we, we will know everything once we get to heaven? I mean, we're going to be in heaven, right? All right, you put your hands up. Uh, number two, how many of you believe, no, we're not going to know everything? How many of you believe that? The second one, you're right. We won't know everything. We won't. I don't mean to, I hope I didn't embarrass you by doing that, but we will not know everything. There is a very, there, there's a very common conception why they believe that people in heaven know everything. There's a reason why that, that, that that's thought of and it is said. And the reason why people believe this is that they, are, they put together two different scriptures and the scriptures don't say what they think it's saying. It doesn't say what they think, think that they're saying. They think that it's saying that we will know as he knows is what they think it says. I'm going to prove it to you that it's wrong in just a moment. Uh, but it doesn't say that. It doesn't say that we will know what he knows. So go with me in the scriptures. I'm going to read to you both of those two verses that they tie together to think that we will know everything when we get to heaven. We won't. I'll explain it more. Uh, it says in 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, it says, For now for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Listen to these words. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I, am, just as I also am known. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. Go with me to the next one. Uh, 1 John chapter uh, 3, verse 2. And it says these words, Beloved, now we are children of God, and yet it has not been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. We shall see him as he is. The first, the, uh, and that first part, 1 Corinthians 13, is talking about I will, uh, I will know others and others are going to know me. I failed to give you that information. I will know others and others will know me. But it says in 1 John chapter 3, verse 2, is that we're going to have an eternal heavenly perspective. I'm going to say that a few times here in these next couple of, of uh, questions. There's going to be a heavenly perspective behind these, these different things. So please understand, we will not ever, ever be omniscient. Only God is omniscient. We will never know everything that there is to know. And actually, there's, there's great promise within all of that about being in heaven. For example, let me just ask you this question. If you got to heaven, and all of a sudden you got to heaven, and you knew everything, you knew everything, just like God knows everything because you're now in heaven, we think we deserve that or we're going to get that and we're not going to. But you, you get to heaven and you think you know everything. Listen, you've got all of eternity. What are you going to do all of eternity if you know everything? You wouldn't have anything to learn. You wouldn't have anything to explore. You would have nothing to, dis to discover ever. But listen to this. You and I are going to be discovering things throughout all of eternity. We will be shown things. We will know things. We will understand it. We won't have uh, understanding of everything, but we're going to be shown things. We're going to be be doing this throughout all of eternity. I believe in heaven we're going to be able to travel at the speed of thought. Now listen, I've heard that said a few times over my years, that in heaven, the way that we communicate and how we get from point A to point B, whatever that looks like, is going to be through thought. I, I don't know if that's possible. I don't know if that's the way it's going to be, but because I've heard it said so many times, I'm saying that to you too, because it could, it could happen. In other words, we could go and visit a star in a galaxy, a different galaxy than the one that we have right now, and that the Hubble telescope will never see, and we will be able to live forever uh, we will be, excuse me, and we will forever be able to discover the creation that God has spoken into, into being. It's the things that God said. So we're going to be traveling all around the universe, all around the cosmos, whatever you want to call it. 
continuously. We will be able to see those things. And by the way, the martyr did have a question. They didn't know. They didn't know. Go with me to verse 10. They didn't know. Would they know everything? They didn't know. Verse 10, and they cried with a loud voice saying, how long, how long, O Lord, holy and true, until you avenge our blood on those who dwell on earth? They, they didn't know, but they were told that in a little while, little while longer, everything will be taken care of. In a little while, you will know, you will know everything. The last proof that we will not, that we will not know everything in heaven is something that Jesus said, and none of us would argue this. Those of you who have attended Word of Life for any t- length of time, if you've been following God for any length of time, Jesus said these words, no one knows. No one knows when the second coming of Jesus is gonna take place. Amen? We believe that here at Word of Life. So no, we will not know everything once we get to heaven because even Jesus puts the exclamation point. Only the Father knows. Only the Father knows everything. Number six is my favorite one out of the questions that we're asking today. Will we know what's happening on earth? Will we know what's happening on earth? It's another another common question that we have and yes, we will know. Yes, we will. We will have a heavenly perspective. Remember I said, I'm gonna say that a couple of times. We're gonna know things, but it may not look exactly as we're seeing it right now at this second. But there's going to be a heavenly perspective behind whatever it is. Let me talk about the martyrs first. The martyrs said that when are you going to avenge the blood? They knew that their blood had not been avenged. In other words, and at the end of verse 11 of that, of, uh, uh, in the book of uh, Revelation, they were looking down on the earth and they could see the men that had killed them, the men that had martyred them. They were still walking on the earth. And this is when they were asking, God, when, when are you going to avenge our blood? When are you going to do that? Because they could see it. They could see what's taking place on the earth. They saw the people who killed them walking the earth. And that's when the question was asked. When, when are you going to avenge our blood? So let me be crystal clear, going deeper again. We are going to understand what's going on on the earth, but it will be with a heavenly perspective. There will be some things about this. And as far as I'm concerned, this is so stinking cool. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, I love this. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 11, and it says these words, uh, uh, therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Now, the thing about this, the, this, this verse right here, this is, written, this is written after chapter 11. Chapter 11 is full of faith. That's called the faith chapter. And so here we are in chapter 12. They're now talking about the saints, the believers who have died. And now they are, they are in heaven. They're in paradise. They're in heaven uh, to be with the Lord. And the writer says that there are witnesses, witnesses to what's going on right now, right now on earth. They are seeing things. These are the people who have gone on before us and they are seeing things and they are, and they are watching <coughs> with a heavenly perspective. And the Bible says they're cheering you on. They're cheering us on. I can't tell you the year. Maybe men, some of you men were there with me. I don't remember, but it was a number of years ago. There was a promise keepers that met in Washington, D.C. And there was a million man march that was there. And literally a million men were there. I remember being on one of the lawns in Washington, D.C. and taking a break and I'm laying back on the ground and I'm just looking up in the clouds, got my hands. My father died on Thanksgiving Day of 1991. My father had been dead for a number of years and, and um, loved my dad and I was his favorite out of all the kids. Uh, you know, I was just his favorite. I know my brother's here somewhere. There he is. Uh, anyhow, um, 
I was laying down, I had my hands behind my head, I'm looking up in the sky, and all of a sudden the clouds that were there, all of a sudden this huge, large circle of clarity just opened up in those clouds. I mean, it was crystal clear. And as I'm laying there, the thought comes to my mind that, that your father, I felt like God said to me, your father is able to see what you are experiencing right now. Well, I'm weeping while I'm looking at that because I believe, you know, I, I don't know how I believe it, but I know that somehow or another my dad was looking down at that very same thing I was involved with in that particular moment, and I just thought that it was the greatest thing. It really moved on me in a very mighty way. And this is what the apostle, uh, the scriptures are declaring to you and I. The, the, we're, we're, we're believing this, we see this. You and I have family and friends who are in heaven who have gone on before you, and they are the ones, according to the scriptures, they are the ones that are cheering you on. They are the ones who are encouraging you to keep on going. And I don't know how that happens, but it's what the scripture declares, and we have every right to believe on that. So uh, we have a cloud of, witness and wi- cloud of witnesses that are way more deeper than we would ever imagine from a heavenly perspective. Number seven, this is also another one of my favorites. Number seven um, is, um, will we remember our lives on earth? Will we remember our lives on earth? This is another favorite of mine, and the answer comes from the martyred. The martyred say um, they remembered that they were murdered. Yeah, they're going to have a memory, and they remembered that they were murdered. And that's what they remembered. They remembered that. They hadn't forgotten that. I want to share with you a private story that I've not shared publicly yet, um, dealing with my son who passed. Um, But we do. We will remember our lives on earth. And what I'm going to share, I got a feeling may blow some of us away. I've saved, saved this message, this opportunity for the right time. I think today's the right time, talking about heaven. So I never shared this publicly. Uh, our youngest grandchild is, is uh, Ainsley. Uh, we call her Ain- Ainsley. We can give her all kinds of names. She's just four years old. She's our baby. We have 15 grandchildren. My grandchildren are much queer, uh, cuter than uh, Mike and Ann's grandchildren. Um, but <laughs> that's what you get, you know. It's some, some win, some lose. But anyhow, um, you know, he's going to get me back really bad really soon. So, <laughs> so our youngest daughter, granddaughter is four years old. They were just up here for graduations this last week, and it was so good to see them. When Michelle was pregnant for Ainsley, uh, she had a terrible bleed that happened at one particular time during her pregnancy, and uh, it was really, really bad. It was really bad. It was really, really bad. It was the worst. She's had some of that before, but this was, this was a really, really bad, and uh, they thought for sure that they were going to lose the baby. But she ended up giving birth months later. She ended up giving birth in... What a beautiful prize that we have now as a result of God's will and purpose in Martin and Michelle's life and this little baby. But nobody knew about the severe bleeding that took place. Nobody but Marianne and I. They didn't communicate that to anybody. It's a private moment and all that other stuff. Um, But when she gave birth, we didn't know this until after, but when she gave birth, the doctor told Michelle that she had a second placenta. She had a second placenta, and, he, and she ended up telling him about the bleeding that took place and how bad it was, and the doctor confirmed that you must have lost that baby um, in your womb, that second child, when all of that bleeding was taking place. Again, nobody knew, nobody knew. Let's fast forward. My son died on September 4th, 2016. Let's fast forward about four months or so, and I'm at my nephew's church in Auburn, Joshua. He pastors a, a church in Auburn, New York, Assembly of God Church in Auburn, and um, and, uh, and that night, his wife, Rachel, uh, had a dream of my son, Jeremy. Josh and Jeremy were the two of the best of friends. 
He had other, other really close friends as well. Jonathan Durst is one of my son's best friends, but Josh, cousins and all that other stuff were really close with one another. And um, he had, um, uh, um, Rachel had a dream about Jeremy. Rachel ended up having a dream about Jeremy. And he said to Rachel, holding a little baby, he said these words, look, little Chi-Chi. And he's smiling from ear to ear. Rachel could see this very vividly, very clearly. She could remember everything that was said and done. Look, little Chi-Chi is what happened. Well, she woke up the next morning and ended up talking to her husband and said to Josh, she said to Josh, here's, here's uh, what Jeremy said to me in this dream last night, and I don't understand. He's holding the baby, and he says, look, little Chi-Chi. And Josh said to Rachel, well, she says, what does Chi-Chi mean? And Josh said to her, well, that was Michelle's nickname when she was a little girl. She was called Chi-Chi. We called her Chi-Chi all the time. She's had many different names. Uh, for me, she was always perfect, so that was her name for me. But my kids don't believe that, but I do. But anyhow, um, Rachel told Josh all about the dream, and, and he said, look, little Chi-Chi, and asked him what, what was all of this about. And um, what does Chi-Chi mean? And it means, I'm sorry, I'm going over my notes so I don't miss any of this. So with Josh and Rachel um, knowing nothing about what had taken place with, with Michelle and losing the baby and all that other stuff, um, Josh told Rachel to give Michelle a call. So she called Michelle and asked her, what, what would this mean? Does this make any sense to you at all that Jeremy appeared to me and said, look, little Chi-Chi. And of course, my daughter breaks down on the phone and says, my little baby that the doctor said that I had that I didn't have ended up being in heaven. Now, one of the things about Jeremy, he was a baby hog all the time. If somebody had a baby, he wanted to walk with the baby, bounce with the baby, rock the baby. He was always like that. And you need to understand that Michelle, hearing that and knowing that about Jeremy, she said something like this. You know, she says how incredible it was that Jeremy, Jeremy, who is a baby hog, is now holding my baby in heaven. And it was incredible beyond her imagination that anything like that would ever happen. But they got to see, uh, they got to see that little baby. Not they, Rachel got to see that little baby of what it was talking about. Now, I don't know about you, but I think, I think that that's a pretty incredible question. Yes, we will remember our lives on earth. We will remember that. We will, um, we, uh, we will remember. Um, and here's, here's something the theologians talk about our memory when dealing with our memory. They say these words. They say, uh, in heaven, our memories are going to make us grateful. They're going to make us grateful. But it's said this way in your notes, and it says, in heaven, our memories are going to make us grateful, but in hell, our memories are going to torment people. They're going to torment people because they know that they had a chance, but they refused God's love. They refused God's grace, and, uh, and now they've lost out on that forever. Number eight, question number eight, will we know people? Will we know people? Again, Hollywood, Hollywood is going to tell us that there's no one out there. No, you will know nothing. You're just gonna be floating. You're, you're not gonna be worth anything at all. But in 1 Corinthians, Corinthians chapter 13 that we just read a few moments ago, it says that we will know as we are known. We will know as we are known. And what that says to me, what it says to all of us here today is that in the reality of heaven, we're finally gonna know people. What's gonna happen in heaven is that you're gonna really know one another. The truth of the matter is you don't know that many people. I don't know that many people. There's billions of people on the planet. There's been billions of people throughout human history. But we're going to know them, the Bible says. The Word of God says that we're going to know one another. We're going to know uh, who they really are and really what their story is all about. I think we're going to be surprised when we get to heaven who's there. 
You might come up to somebody at school that you had trouble with or at work that you're having trouble with. You made it? You're there? And they're going to look at you and say, you made it? Come on, are you kidding me? I think we're going to be a little bit excited about that. I think it's going to be amazing. Go with me to, uh, to uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. Matthew chapter 8, verse 11. And it says these words. Where's my notes here? Number seven, number eight. And it says, Matthew 8, 11, it says, and I say to you that many will come from the east and west and will sit down with Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, in the kingdom of heaven. Do you know what this is saying to you and I? When we get to heaven, what the scripture just said, what the word of God just declares to us is the fact that you and I, when we get to heaven, we're going to be with people. We're going to see people like Abraham. You're going to see Abraham, who's the father of our faith. And you're going to be able to say to him, what was going on in your mind as you were walking up that, that mountain to sacrifice your son? What were you thinking? What was going on inside of you? <clears throat> we're going to be able to be sitting down with Abraham, with Isaac, Moses, David. I can't wait to be with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The story that they had in the book of Daniel is beyond imagination for me. We're going to be able to talk with Deborah and Ruth and Esther. I can't even begin to fathom the thought. It's so exciting to talk with Elijah and Elisha. I can't imagine what that would be like. I can't imagine Lazarus, talking with Lazarus. I don't know if Kayla's here this morning, but uh, uh, the, uh, Lazarus was dead for four days, for four days. Kayla had died in October of this last year, and she was gone for 20 minutes. She went to heaven. She was gone for 20 minutes, and she came back. I can't imagine the stories that Lazarus is going to have. One of my favorite people in the Bible, probably many of you, and mostly men probably, is Peter. I don't know about you, but when I think about Peter, I think I really line up with him in, in quite a few ways. He was quite a character. Uh, he, he certainly would go to extremes with a lot of different things at different times. He would say the wrong things at the wrong time and many flub-ups that he would have. Um, but after all of that flubbing up that he would do, and after, he would, after the resurrection of Jesus and being filled with the Holy Spirit, Peter was the man. Peter ended up being the man that he was called to be. He was a man doing miracles and signs and wonders. It was just incredible. You can read about Peter and you can see the things that he was involved with. Peter was great. And at the very end of it all, Peter ended up being martyred for his faith in Jesus. Yes, we will know people. We get to see them face to face. Number nine, question number, question number nine. Will heaven be boring? Will heaven be boring? Absolutely, positively, no. Heaven is not going to be boring. Let me just give you one scripture of many. Let me just read this real quick. And it says in Isaiah 35, 10. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Zener, uh, Zion means uh, heaven. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy. There will be joy with the crown on their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and, see, and sighing is going to flee away. When we get to heaven, it is not going to be boring. Do you know where all of that boring stuff comes from? It comes from hell. It is the devil trying to get you to be to this place that you would rather go to hell where that's the happening place, where all the chicks are, where all the dudes are, where all the fun and the party time that's going to be taking place. That's what the devil wants you to believe. How many of us have heard possibly sons or daughters, nieces or nephews, friends and neighbors that we may have? No, I don't want to go to heaven. No, none of my friends are going to be there. I don't want to go to heaven. Yeah, I'd rather go to hell because hell is the happening place. It's all a lie. Jesus said the devil is the father of lies. 
and he is lying to you for you to think that heaven is going to be boring. My friend, you and I can't even begin to imagine what heaven is going to be like. The reason why so many people are thinking that hell is going to be party city 2040 is that the huge majority of the saved, I say it again, the huge majority of the saved who are destined for heaven, listen to me, really don't have a clue what heaven is like. So they don't talk about it. They don't defend it. They don't prove to family and friends when they start saying hell is going to be a better place to go than heaven. We, don't, we, we may chuckle at that and laugh at that, but my friend, you're not going to be laughing in eternity. The fact of the matter is we need to understand all of this. We really do. The more we understand heaven, the more motivated that we are going to be with our family and friends that they get there. And the more that we understand about hell, the more we will be motivated to make sure that our family and friends never get there would never get there, would never go to hell. Listen, hell is the most spectacular place in the world, in the universe, in the cosmos. Those who have had uh, uh, near-death experiences, whatever the beauty and the splendor, they would say these words, whatever the beauty or the splendor that we experience on earth, it is magnified in beauty and splendor times 100,000, 100 million. There's no number that can can uh, quote this properly. There is no language or word to describe the splendor and the beauty and the glory of heaven. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, it says in verse one through four, it says, this is the apostle Paul speaking. He says, I must go on boasting, although there is nothing to be gained. I will go to visions and revelations from the Lord. Verse two, he says, I, will, I, I, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether it was in the body or out of the body, I don't know, God knows. And I know that this man, whether in the body or apart from the body, I do not know, but God knows, was caught up to paradise and heard inexpressible things that no one is permitted to tell. What he experienced, he says, I, I'm not allowed to tell you the magnificence, the beauty, because you won't even begin to comprehend here. It would kill you, maybe. It would cause you to go bonkers because you're not able to completely understand. Heaven is going to be such a spectacular place. Revelation chapter 21 tells us the literal description of the new Jerusalem of which I'm going to talk about next Sunday. Second week we're going to be dealing with heaven, but next Sunday we're going to talk about the new Jerusalem. And let me just say this much, the size of the city, the size of the city in heaven, get this in your mind, the size of this city is 1,380 miles long. The other side, as far as wide, is 1,380 miles wide. But get this, that same city is 1,340, 1,300 miles high as well. It's high. It goes that high. That's how spectacular and amazing heaven's going to be. And the last and the final question, which is the single most important question that we can ask, and that is who's going to be there? Who is going to be there? There's two different scriptures. I'm not going to read them, but there are two different scriptures in here that tell us who are going to be there. You can read them on your own. The number one reason why we here at Word of Life still exist as the local church, and we're still on this planet, is because God is doing something. God has a plan for us. God has called us to do whatever it takes. We will do whatever it takes short of sin to reach people who are far from God today. Unbelievers, the non-church, the irreligious people, who are desperately loved by God. Those people who say there is no God, God loves those people, regardless of how they may think or what they may say about God. He loves them regardless. His love is unconditional. And it's God's will that none would perish in hell. 
It's not God's plan for people to go to hell. It's God's plan for people to go to heaven. And he's looking to the church for you and for me to be reaching people who are far from God and persuade them to move toward God, to come to know Christ as Savior. It's God's will that none would perish, but they would come and find God's love and grace and mercy and forgiveness, hope and freedom. And their lives would be changed by what Jesus has done on that cross. I'm going to ask you if you would please, would you please bow your heads and close your eyes just for a moment. If you're here today talking about heaven, mentioning things about hell, maybe just, maybe, just maybe today, there's some things going on in your heart, in your mind. Maybe just, maybe you're thinking a little bit more about heaven than you have been before. And listen, my friend, if you're not sure if you're going to go to heaven when you die, then I want to lead you in a prayer. I want to help you to believe, and I want you to help you, help you to accept that what Jesus has done on the cross is for you. So would you please, again, bow your heads and close your eyes. I want this to be a very private moment. I don't want to embarrass anybody. I won't do that to you. I won't embarrass you. But I do want to encourage you that maybe, just maybe, today you are sensing that prompting of God's Spirit. And my friend, you are one decision away, one decision away from your whole life and all of eternity that would be changed by God's love and grace for you if you would move forward with coming to know Christ, coming to know Jesus in a wonderful way. If you want to choose to follow God, if you want to choose God and follow Him, it's going to be very simple. It is so simple, all you need to do. I'm not asking you to become a member of Word of Life Church. If you never come back here again and you find another church, I'm going to applaud you. The most important thing you can do today is to receive Christ. That's what I'm asking you to do. So if you want to choose God and follow Him, I want to lead you in a quick prayer. I want to say the prayer aloud so that you can hear it, and then I want you to repeat it. All you need to do is maybe repeat it in your mind if you want, if you want to repeat it with your lips moving, if you want to say it softly, or if you want to say it with normal tone. It's up to you. But when I pray these prayers, I'm going to ask you to say the same thing for me. Now remember, this is your choice. You're choosing to receive Christ. And if you would like to do that, I want you to pray with me this prayer. Dear God, I know that I've messed up. I know that I've done wrong things. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to come into my life and you take control. Become the Lord and leader of my life today. And Jesus, I thank you. Tell them that. Jesus, I thank you for my salvation. Please keep your heads bowed and your eyes closed, please. If you just prayed that prayer for the first time or you renewed that prayer in your walk with God, would you just lift up your hands across the audience? I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to recognize those. Thank you over here to my left, over here to my left. Any more on my left side? Over there, sir, thank you. Ma'am, thank you. Are there any others in the back? I, I can't see as well. Thank you, thank you. Two of you back there. Over to my right side, way in the back. Over here, thank you. I appreciate it. Come on, let's give the Lord a round of applause. These wonderful people giving their lives to Jesus today. <clears throat> we're going to, we're going to sing one last song, one of our worships that we're going to sing one last song. And as they do that, these men and women who are down front here are our intercessors. They've been praying for you through this whole service, that you would meet God, that God would bless you, touch you, whatever you need from heaven. They've been praying. If you have a need and you want them to pray for you, they will. You don't have to tell them anything. They'll just let, hold you with your hand, whatever, and pray with you with what's going on. Would you all stand to your feet, please? While they sing this last song, would you sing along with us? And if you'd like prayer, come on down. And then we will release you in about three minutes, okay? Thank you.